Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... I'm Lawrence, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast indeed. How are you doing today? I'm tired and I'm stressed, but I'm alright. I'm not going to complain about it, I'm just going to deal with it today. How are you? You sound, I mean, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> I'm alright, yeah. So uh, I've, I've had a bit of a cold recently and I'm recovering from that, so if um, my nose sounds a bit blocked, that's the reason we'll why. have to cut it off um well we won't do that we'll cut your nose off and then uh see what happens then and i've got a bit of a uh, rain in the background so we'll see if the microphone picks that up fantastic a typical rainy day in lancaster very nice yes so today we are here to discuss a very high rated game on our list it is number 11 on the Metacritic Top 100 list, and it is Perfect Dark, with a score of 97, released on the Nintendo 64 in the year 2000. Um, the spiritual t- successor to the mighty GoldenEye. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a big one this week. Um, so, do you know much about the background of Perfect Dark? Yeah, bits and bobs. Obviously, it it was developed by Rare. Um, like you say, it was it was a spiritual successor to GoldenEye, and I know that there was a bit of development hell with this game. Um, but they they spent a good few years putting this game together, um, particularly for the time that it came out. But I don't know too much about it. But I'm guessing that you might. Yeah, I know. I know a little bit about it. I watched um, a few documentaries actually that Rare has on YouTube on their official page. Um, so after GoldenEye was completed, they started work, believe it or not, on Tomorrow Never yeah. Dies, the uh, the Rare James Bond sequel, which would have been released on the Nintendo sixty four. And they even went out to the set. They had um, a full copy of the script, but um, I think the story goes that they were outbid by, um, at the time, EA. And I don't think they were too bothered about it because it meant for them that they could go away and they could create something using the uh, the GoldenEye engine, um, something completely free and different. And um, they started work on Perfect Dark, which is a sci-fi shooter um, completely new intellectual property and half the team uh, half the GoldenEye team left halfway through development of Perfect Dark and formed Free Radical now anyone that knows about or is a fan of these games will know that Free Radical went off and they created Time Splitters so you've got these two branching teams um each one very important in the creation of GoldenEye, um, one working on Perfect Dark and the other one working on Time Splitters. Um, Time Splitters 1 was more of a multiplayer thing with a, with a kind of bare bones single player mode with 
very little story, but it was a, a prototype for what Time Splitters would become. And then Time Splitters Two came out and um, kind of blew the wheels off. I don't even know if that's a phrase or if I just made that up. But um, yeah, it blew the doors open, something along those lines. Um, so anyway, Time Splitters Two came out and it was really good. And Future Perfect is also really good. And obviously, Time Splitters has a huge cult following and really is the last game sort of like GoldenEye that came out until the remasters of Perfect Dark came out and Time Splitters 2 and 3 were recently released on backwards compatible for Xbox so that's good too um, yeah so Perfect Dark was one of those offshoots and it went in a bit of a different direction from Time Splitters and yeah it was a long development so it came out in May 2000 um, do you, what what's your history with Perfect Perfect Dark? Have you ever played it before? Yeah, I've played a little bit of it. So I, I never played it on the N sixty four, but I played it on my Xbox One X maybe about a year or two ago, because it's on the on the rare replay, obviously, and it's been upscaled. So I played the first couple of levels, I think, about a year or two ago, but I never got further than that. So right. It is something that I've played briefly, but not too much of. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that your experience with Perfect Dark probably outshines mine because you're a, a Nintendo boy. Yeah, I've definitely got experience with Perfect Dark. Not as much as Goldeneye, um, but I have some experience. We never actually owned Perfect Dark. I remember borrowing Perfect Dark from, I think it was um, my, my next door neighbour uh, of all people and borrowed Perfect Dark from him and my brother and I were just making our way through the campaign in co-op which was a very neat feature to have back then um, when kind of playing through a single player campaign in co-op mode was a bit of a novelty so we were messing around we often failed objectives as you do in these games and just running around these kind of semi sandbox levels um, I don't think we ever made that much progress. I think the furthest we got was, um, there's, I think there's a bit in Chicago with the city. I can't remember. If, is it Chicago? Um, with the security firm and the big security bot that... Yeah, you need you to constantly. get the, the remote explosive on the car. Yeah, yeah so that's we got to that level and we always got uh, decimated by this security bot. But then um, I went back and played, some years later, I went back and played um, Perfect Dark on the Nintendo 64 and I was playing with the old N64 controller, the three-pronged beast with um, really dodgy analog sticks. And I got to the final level, I got to the final boss and I was having real issues aiming with that analog stick. I think the analog stick was, uh, anyone that knows about N64 controllers knows that those analog sticks go and um, I think it was about to go. So um, I bought my Hori Nintendo 64 controller which is a fantastic controller more in the vein of the GameCube controller with a really great analog stick and went back and completed Perfect Dark for the first time sometime after its release so I've completed the N64 version and yeah this was my second time I think completing um, this time the the Xbox remaster which I played on my Series X uh, which is a very nice remaster and much easier to play than the N64 version, much smoother, um, much more enjoyable. 
So and that that's where you played as well, isn't it? Yeah, I, I also played it on the Series X. Um, I I knew that I wasn't going to be able to pick it up for the N64. And to be honest with you, I'm, I I prefer playing it on the Xbox just because of ease of access to it. Uh, the controls yeah. are, are a bit better, and and the the overall look of the game is, is a bit more polished and you know upscaled for for modern audiences, which is good. Uh, I think I would have struggled going back to the N64. But saying it's a really that, good remaster. It is a very good remaster. But I mean, saying that, I managed to play Goldeneye on the N64 for this this list. But then again, I had a lot of experience with Goldeneye in the past, so. Yeah, I think I probably Goldeneye. played it in the best place for me. I would have loved to have played this game on Switch or something, though. Yeah. Um, you can actually... I think Perfect Dark's coming out on the... It might already be out on the Switch eShop on, on the N64 backwards compatibility stuff. Ah, uh, right. Um, but it's, it's not the remastered no. version, though. But obviously it runs a lot more smoothly than the N64 original, which is infamously... Yeah. Um, it's very laggy, isn't frame it? Frame rate. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, the the N64 version, definitely I'd recommend playing it on the uh, Xbox in 2022. Um, the N64 version is, is nice to play as a novelty. Yeah. And for the time, I mean, the graphics on the N64, they, they were that and probably Conker's Bad Fur Day were the best looking games on the N64. Um, so they're really impressive looking games, but in terms of perfect dark comes at a cost of the very low frame rate, which is worse than Goldeneye, And, um, I think that's probably why you didn't have as much trouble as you might have had playing Goldeneye on the N64. Um, so do you want to give a, a, a brief overview of the plot? Yeah, it's, um, it kind of went in a direction that I didn't really think it would this game. Um, for, what did for, you think it would be first of all? What sorry? What did you think it would be just as out of curiosity? I thought that it was just going to be like a, a standard spy game. Um the 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 name derives from the the main character uh, is is it Joanne? Joanna Dark. Yeah, Joanna Dark and she's got the the nickname Perfect Dark because all of her her training stuff she gets perfect scores. So she's kind of like the perfect agent. And I thought it was just going to be like an espionage-esque thing, a little bit like Goldeneye. But as you said at the start of this episode, it's it's a sci-fi first-person shooter. So it's effectively like two forms of aliens are at war um, and and they kind of make their way over to Earth and you, you meet a friendly alien called Elvis. And it's about this alien war to some extent that... that um, the the agent uh, Joanna Dark is is involved with via the the Carrington uh, what what what's the the name Institute. of the the outfit she works for Carrington Institute Carrington Institute so it's yeah it, it's a weird one because you expect it to be just a standard espionage sneaking game and then it's like nope it's an alien first person shooter with some espionage thrown in so it's it's a bit of a strange one uh, to be honest with you yeah um so joanna dark the name apparently derived from the french version of joan of arc yeah. which is joan d'arc which is quite interesting um so if you say it quickly joanna dark 
Yeah. Uh, I thought that's quite interesting. And, and this game was heavily inspired by Blade Runner and um, X-Files and stuff like that. So it really was the creators at Rare, them throwing everything that they wanted to into this game. Whereas obviously with GoldenEye, they had this um, limited yeah. thing because they were building it within the world of James Bond. Although they had a lot of fun with that, probably more fun than any other James Bond game had. Um, they were still like limited in their, in their scope of what they could do. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to... The, the name of the aliens that you fight is called Skelar or something. I can't can't remember off the top of my head. It's something and, like that. Um, you, you eventually go to their their home base and you kill uh, the. I think he's. I don't know if it's the king, um, but it's this very large alien thing in what can be on N sixty four hardware a very frustrating boss battle, but on the Xbox much smooth, more enjoyable. <laughs> um, Okay, so what do you do on a on a moment to moment basis? What do you do in this game? Same as Goldeneye. Same as Goldeneye. You you go to some quite interesting maps. I think the maps in this game, a lot of them are a lot of them are very good. Some of them not so much. Um, and dependent on what difficulty you're playing, whether it's um, agent, is it secret agent? And then what's the last one? Perfect agent. Perfect agent. So the equivalent of double O agent. You'll, you'll be given different goals and different tasks to complete through the level. Um, and it can range from, you know, planting a security surveillance camera to escorting someone to rescuing someone to killing someone in particular. It, it really varies. Um, and the, the thing that I liked, I remember saying to you um, when I first started playing this game, particularly on the first couple of levels, is the difference between this game and Goldeneye is that on Goldeneye, you could complete a level while missing one of your tasks so that you'd fail the mission and have to do it again. I don't know if it was the case throughout the entire game, but particularly for the first few levels, if you got to the end of the stage and you hadn't finished one of your tasks, you couldn't finish the level. And that was quite a big step up. So I think I'm not sure if that was in the N64 original. I think that might have been a bit of a quality of life improvement for the Xbox version. But it's nice to have and makes playing this game today much more convenient. Mm, Definitely. Yes. Yeah, so you go from level to level. You've got your various objectives. It's that kind of um, escalating objectives based on difficulty, which you don't really get in many games. Um, Time Splitters did the same thing, um, but it kind of died out with that game um which is unfortunate um so yeah there's quite a varied bunch of objectives as well and you you're always using certain gadgets to do things and yeah it's it's quite compared to a lot of shooters even today there's quite a lot of variety in there which is nice um so for any new listeners and for our old listeners too onto our ever present feature gameplay is king um is perfect dark fun to play yeah definitely I, I i'm in a little bit of an argument with myself about whether i think this game's more fun or goldeneye and i think goldeneye probably um probably pips it to the post but only because i think i have the nostalgia element with goldeneye and yeah anyone that's listened to our goldeneye episodes know how much detail we went into that. i think that episode ended up being about two hours long yeah that, that was a really long one 
Um, I think beaten only by maybe our Red Dead Redemption 2 episode. I think that was an hour 40, and I think our Red Dead Redemption 2 episode was over two hours. Yeah. So we had a lot to say about GoldenEye, but in terms of this game, obviously it's, like we say, a, a kind of a sequel to some extent. So there are more elements to it, and there's a lot of um, tightening up of certain things that were in GoldenEye that really needed tightening up, which was good to see. But overall, I think this game is fun and you can have a good time with it. It can be frustrating and it can be very cryptic, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But on the whole, it is fun and I, I, I can understand why it is where it is on the list. Um, in, I, where, whereabouts is Goldeneye? Do you remember? Goldeneye is number 16 and Perfect oh, interesting. Dark is number 11. So they're very close, but mm, just Perfect beats Dark it. just edges it. But yeah, I, I, I think it's fun. I mean, where do you stand on it? I'm guessing you probably think the same. Yeah, I I think the game the, the pure shooting in this game I was very complimentary of Goldeneye and I'm very complimentary of this and I'm also a big fan of the Time Splitters games and what you've got here we talked about the juggling system in Goldeneye and we've got an extension of that here where you 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 maybe spray some bullets into one enemy and they'll be staggered because they've got an animation that they're playing out then you can shoot another enemy and same thing for them and then you might go back to the first enemy i love the idea of that uh, juggling enemies and uh, the way that that works and it's just very very satisfying to shoot in this game it was improved it's a, it's a great choice i mean it was improved over goldeneye i think because in goldeneye it would be that you'd shoot someone in the leg and they'd then double over and be like oh my leg and they'd be holding it but then they'd be okay again Whereas in this game, you shoot someone in the leg, they then start hopping around. Yeah, they've uh, they've definitely improved and increased the animations yeah. um, on offer here, and yeah, it, it just it just feels good to play. You've got a, a great variety of weapons, and especially that the Xbox version where it's running sixty frames per second, it's just very snappy, and I think you'd be hard pressed to find many shooters that play better than this and it's yeah, a satisfying it's shooter it's, yeah I, I love i love the way i the thing i love about these games i was thinking about this i the one thing i don't like about perfect dark compared to goldeneye is that some of the death animations are overly long yeah um, and the things that they say as well GoldenEye, they're, yeah the, the goldeneye is a bit more snappy and sometimes an enemy is dying, a really slow death animation, still standing, but playing out this animation. Still taking bullets. And you think they're not dead, so you keep shooting them. Yeah. And then they're still... Uh, but what I love about this game is the hit connection. The fact that you can shoot an enemy after they've already died, and you still get that punchy, that like thwump sound. Yeah. And it just feels the, the collision detection and the hit detection is really, really satisfying. And you compare that to something like Call of Duty, for example. I just think there's no comparison how punchy this feels compared to that. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of the actual gameplay. Um, normally here we talk about favourite move, but um, I think it's probably more interesting to talk about a favourite weapon here. So what's your favourite weapon? It, it was the... Um, I can't remember the name of it now, but like the, the automatic rifle. Um... Right. What was it called? There's, there's quite a few, I think. Like the, 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 you talking about the laptop gun? No, not the laptop gun. 
Um, it, but it, it does feature on the uh, the Air Force the One RC-290 mission. The RCP-90 that also appears as well. What was that? Sorry. The RCP-90 appears in one of the latest levels. No, from, I can't from remember. What it is. It's like the Raptor or something, or, or something. But it's basically like a, an AR. Um, right. And that one's it's got a lot of power behind it, which I quite liked. But as well as that. You had the um, the guns that the bodyguards use on Air Force One as well, and although there wasn't very much ammo in those guns, they they were quite fun to use as well. Um, yeah. But that that being said, um, the the main pistol that you have with a little scope on it is a, is a really satisfying gun to use as well. I, I think yeah. it would be it would be fair to say that there aren't any bad guns to use no. in this game. I don't think because all of them feel like you say very punchy. And they're all satisfying to use. It's um, I remember we told the story with Goldeneye that they admitted to messing up the silenced pistol in that game, where you could use it basically as a sniper rifle because you could aim at an enemy really far away and it would hit them and connect and kill them, and it was quite easy to use. And I think it's a similar thing. They carried it over for the pistol here, so you get a really satisfying pistol. Um, I like the laptop gun as well. What one thing that Perfect Dark does? Um, it's one of the first games to do it. It's not the first game, I don't believe, but it's one of the first games. Um, Goldeneye didn't have reload animations. When you reloaded in Goldeneye, yeah. you, the gun would just disappear from the screen and then come back up loaded. Um, whereas here, you've got proper reload animations, which I think is quite cool. Quite, um, I don't know. It just makes the, the act of reloading fun and when you use the laptop gun and you kind of open the laptop gun that's 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 fun as well um there's a, there's also alien weaponry here and some are very very good um there's the blue gun that when you change the ammo on it it kind of absorbs the ammo clip that's a very cool gun as well um yeah there's lots of good guns here and i think yeah it really sets it apart from other shooters the variety of guns here um, so they really leaned into that sci-fi setting. Um, okay, levels. Let's talk levels. Uh, were were there any particular favourites of yours in terms of levels? I think, even though the, the I always go for the basic ones, don't I? But I really enjoyed the first uh, first two levels. The the third one not so much. Um, but when you're going into the um the high rise building and then down into the basement to get Doctor Carol, it's a great first level. Yeah, I think because. I mean, I've said before, I'm not a huge sci-fi game fan. I love sci-fi things like Star Wars and stuff. But with games, I'm a little bit more meh. And I prefer this game when it's being just a straight-up spy espionage game. And the first level, I think, is really good. Particularly when you're landing on the roof, you've got your silenced pistol and you're trying to sneak in. And then you've got like the, the glass elevators to get down to the bottom and then you, you go down into the basement I think that's a really well crafted level and then as well as that I really like the fact that like okay on one level you get to go on Air Force One with the President and I found that level frustrating because I really struggled to work out what to do I couldn't work out what it meant when it was like detach the alien ship from Air Force One um, yeah. I had to watch a video on how to do that because I didn't really know what it meant. And then when it showed me, I was like, oh yeah, obviously it's that. Um, but I think the the concept of being on Air Force One with the president is uh, is quite a novel one, which I quite liked. So those, those are the standout ones for me. But then one of the lower point levels for me is the one directly after Air Force One when you're in the snowfield. 
I found yeah. that was too big for what it was. Yeah, that's a very big level. Very impressive for for an N64 level, but yeah, yeah very big. It, it, it's very much got the, the element of Surface from GoldenEye, but looks and works a little bit better than Surface. Like, I find Surface easy to navigate because I know GoldenEye like the back of my hand. So if I'd have maybe yeah. played Perfect Dark when I was younger, I would have had the same experience with um, with that level here. But because I haven't, I found it quite frustrating because it was so big. Um, yeah. So I, I, I like the more focused um, urban levels, I suppose. Um, I mean, what, what, yeah. what would you say? I think my favourite level is the villa. Um, yeah. You get the the first view of it and you're using a sniper rifle from way up on the cliffs and you make your way down into the villa and then you're just um, taking out snipers on the rooftop and then working your way through the villa. Mm. I just think, again, it's very impressive. It looks really nice and it's just uniquely perfect dark. I mean, that's one of the levels I'd... I'd put up and say well this is if you looked at a screenshot from this you'd know it was perfect dark yeah um so yeah i I really like that level and uh i think generally speaking the urban levels do lend themselves to a bit better design and i agree that first level is really well designed the fact that you're going from floor to floor and you're using the lift again this is in the n64 which famously didn't have much memory um but you're going from floor to floor and the floors are different and you're basically scaling a skyscraper and the some of the later missions i think that we talked about the uh, the one with the ship or the yeah it's the ship so, yeah and, and and the fact that it it gets a bit the corridor starts to look a bit samey and you can get lost very easily yeah there's definitely an element of that here and sometimes it feels like the levels are too big for their own good. Um, but yeah, I, I think generally speaking, the levels are quite impressive. And also you've got vehicular combat here too. So you had the tank in Goldeneye and here you've got the sort of bike thing that you can ride across in the snow level. Or is it, no, is it, what is it? It's like a hover bike kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I was just thinking, how would you describe that? Yeah, so it's like a hover bike thing. And you can still shoot your guns, and yeah, that's uh, that's fun to. I think that's the reason why that level's so large. So it was an excuse for you to use. I didn't that find it, to... so I was walking everywhere. Oh really? Mm. Yeah, I didn't that's, know that yeah, was on that level. That's a lot of fun to use. You can just you can just uh, use that and drive around the whole level. So yeah, that might have made that a bit more enjoyable for you. Um, yeah, uh, it's 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 a it's a funny one. Um, so on to the audio, audio and the visuals. Um, anything stand out to you about the audio and the visuals? So, I mean, the, the visuals, if we're saying like the N64 version, it was an N64 game. Uh, it looks a little bit better than than GoldenEye. And obviously the upscaled version, that which we played, but isn't the, the game that's on the on the top 100, looks looks really nice. It looks crisp for, for an upscaled N64 game. The sound, I really like the music in this game. It was. I love the music. Yeah, it's the kind of game where when I was playing it, I'd be humming along to the music. But after I'd stopped playing, like I haven't played it for a, for a couple of days, I can't remember the music off the top of my head. But every time I turned it on, I was like, "Yeah, this is really good music." So, yeah. I, I thought the music was brilliant in this game. Um, 
so both stand out for for their time and for how well they've held up. I think. Um, are, are you are you at the same uh, the same camp? Yeah. Um, so a little factoid about the <laughs> the graphics in this game. Um, they they obviously wanted to improve on things from Goldeneye, and it came out three years later at a time where they kind of had mastered the NC. Well, I say mastered, but the frame rate was terrible, terrible. So uh, somewhat improved, mastered, but they pushed it too far. You could say, yeah. Um, so you needed the um, expansion pack to play this game. Uh, the only thing you could play, you could play, I think the some of the training missions. Um, maybe some of the multiplayer stuff uh, with without the expansion pack. But if you wanted to play the single-player campaign, you needed the expansion pack, so it was really pushing the N64 hard. And it's, it's, it's a, a really impressive thing, and there are so... I love, like, the first level. If you if you play it on the N64, you, you, you get it on the Xbox version as well, but on the N64 you can see, like, the halos coming off the lights and stuff like that. And There's a just, lot of lens flare in this is, game. Yeah, you can see what they were trying to do, and it's got a lot of style to it. Um, so yeah, I think it's a very impressive looking game, and it, even in that first level, you've got all the reflections from the glass. Um, yeah, we're not talking about twenty twenty two reflections, but you can see kind of lights shining off of them and stuff like that. It, it was funny because you'd be going through areas and you'd be looking up at the lights, and it would kind of discolor the rest of the screen. So at one yeah. one point, I was like, "There's that many lens flares on the screen going on. Like it's almost like a J.J. Abrams film." It. Yeah, it, it it was slightly distracting to some some extent. It was cool that they were doing yeah, that I in the year two thousand, um, but yeah. at the same time, I was like, "All right, you you probably done a, a bit too much. You didn't need to do it as much as you have. It could have been a bit more subtle." Yeah, but it was it was just a very new thing at the time. Yeah, I big time. Just trying to replicate this uh, visual effect, and I think it was. It, I appreciated it. Yeah, um, from a technical standpoint. Um. Obviously, one thing that we haven't uh, we haven't really talked about is the multiplayer. One of the things that kept people coming back, and a lot of the reviews for this game focused more on the multiplayer because it was what GoldenEye was in multiplayer, but with more more levels, more characters, more variety of characters, and it was everything that people loved about GoldenEye, but more. So obviously it's a very big aspect, and I and I didn't play anything this time round, but I have played it in the past. It is a very good multiplayer, and one of the key additions to the multiplayer here was bots. So you could really tank the frame rate by playing four player split screen with bots as well. And I miss again, bot I multiplayer ga- uh, bot multiplayer games. Yeah, it was a very forward thinking feature, and I mean this this is the point about Perfect Dark. It was really on the cutting edge. And rare at this time with their shooters was on the cutting edge of FPS console gaming, um, so it is very impressive some of the things that it does that we kind of take for granted now. And I mean, how many games have a co-op campaign that you can play from start to finish in co-op? How many games can you now play with bots? Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's just it was. It was a kind of an abundance of things. Mm. I mean, it's a huge package when you think about it. You've got the single play, you've got the co-op campaign, which you can also play. You've got this huge multiplayer. You've got challenges. Um, yeah, it's, it's then you've got the three difficulty levels on top of that. You're getting a lot of value for your money here. I think. Um, 
Yeah, and 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 as I said, the the, the audio, I think. I don't know if it's better than GoldenEye, but it's definitely on the same level, uh, within the same ballpark. And I have listened to the Perfect Dark soundtrack outside of the game. I think it's a very good soundtrack, and a lot of the tracks are very reminiscent of GoldenEye. So you'll be listening to a track and you'll think, oh, that sounds like, yeah, I don't know, Surf. Definitely. That sounds like Statue Park, or nothing sounds like Statue Park, but yeah, you get what I mean. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah, the only thing I think you, you hear from time to time, I don't know if we... Oh, we talked about it in the Ninja Gaiden episode. Sometimes the voice acting, the quality of that, not the, not the voice acting itself, but the quality of the tracks is a bit low quality because obviously they probably weren't recorded in that high quality, so it sounds a bit yeah. muffled at times. And the other distracting thing about the Xbox version is the fact that the lips don't move. <laughs> so you have these really nicely animated cutscenes this um this voiceover and then you've got these mouths these faces that never move yeah it's it's, it's a classic thing of the the late 90s early noughties isn't it in games it's that and like hands i think developers really struggled with hands back at the time as well oh yeah this is definitely gta3 hands yeah 100 percent. well um it's funny because the fact that the voices didn't or that the mouths didn't move on the n64 version wasn't as distracting because the faces weren't as clear anyway. Yeah. Whereas in the Xbox version, it's, it's really It's a lot more obvious, yeah, 100%. Okay. On to our question of the week. Um, quite a few games, I think, on this list. We've definitely talked about before the idea of spiritual successes and sequels. And it's an interesting topic. So I kind of wanted to delve into that a bit today for the question of the week. Um, so... I suppose, so I'm going to ask this question about Perfect Dark, but also more broadly as well. What do you think it means to retain the spirit of a game and create a successor or sequel? Um, I don't know. I think it's quite a big, a big deal, especially if the game that preceded it is a highly regarded one. So in regards to Perfect Dark, GoldenEye is arguably one of the biggest games of all time, I'd say. And for a game like GoldenEye to be number 16 in the top 100 games of all time, to then be, to have, like like we say, a spiritual sequel, and for that spiritual sequel to do better than GoldenEye, which has got its own world around it, is, is connected to the James Bond franchise, which is massive, for a game to come along with the same bone structure I suppose as as GoldenEye but as a new IP and overtake it with it being number 11 in the top 100 so I think that's a really big deal and it isn't something that you see very often and I mean I'm trying to think right now of of spiritual successor games Um, I can give you a few examples if you'd like so Dark Souls um, is a spiritual successor to Demon Souls Um, technically they're not connected. Demon Souls was a Sony exclusive. Dark Souls is in a separate world, and it became its own thing, its own franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, some other ones would be The Evil Within is a spiritual successor to Resident Evil Four, made by the same creator. Um, then you've got things like Ukulele, which is a spiritual successor Banjo. to Banjo Kazooie. Yeah. yeah, so some more successful than others um 
Time Splitters is a brilliant spiritual successor to GoldenEye and to Perfect Dark and to those games that Rare made in the 90s, early 2000s. Um, it tends to happen when, well, I suppose two ways it can happen is if a team splits or people from an original team go off and make something within the same vein or if in the case of ukulele although i think they did have some original rare staff involved but it becomes an homage to that game rather than the same creators making something similar um yeah i just i just found it interesting because in terms of golden iron perfect dark what makes perfect dark a spiritual successor to golden eye is it basically runs it runs on the same engine yeah it's, it's, it's almost the same engine. game but with just a different skin yeah uh, so it's improved on the engine and it's uh, yeah got a different coat of paint different ip and really advances that in in interesting ways um but it's just interesting because we we've said that phrase probably about five times during the games on the list and I, I don't think we've ever properly discussed it and I just find it interesting um, so d- do you have any other notable uh, spiritual successes that you can think of, of off the top of your head I, I can't to be honest with you sometimes with these questions we, we, we share them beforehand and sometimes we don't we haven't this week and um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now Um the, the only things I can think of is like games that pick up on other games, genres and stuff that try and make them their own. Uh, so obviously when GTA 3 came out, you then had games like The Simpsons Hit and Run. You had Jack and Daxter 2. Everyone was trying to be an open world game with carjacking and, and violence. And that's the only thing I can think of that they never did it quite as well as Grand Theft Auto did, obviously. And then you've got, you know, games trying to pick up on the Tony Hawk franchise and how well that was doing with games like Skate. Um, I'd say that Skate's probably a, a spiritual successor to Tony Hawk because when the Skate games came out, the Tony Hawk franchise was kind of dying. Yeah. But then you also had uh, bad games that emulated Tony Hawk, like The Simpsons Skateboarding. Um, it was awful. Um, but I'd say Skate is probably a standout one that was very good. Um, another one is... Um Sleeping Dogs is a spiritual yeah. successor to True Crime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, that was originally going to be True Crime same. Hong Kong, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and you can see, I mean, Sleeping Dogs is a much better game than the True Crime mm. games, but you can see, uh, and then you, a lot of people say that Yakuza is the spiritual sequel successor to um, the Shenmue series. Um, yeah, yeah, there are some very notable ones, and it's just interesting to note what the essence of a game is and what carries through from yeah, the definitely. original game into the spiritual successor. And with GoldenEye Perfect Dark, it was the gameplay. Yeah. And um, with other things, it could be um, nods to the world. And I mean, Mass Effect is a spiritual successor in many ways to Knights of the Old yeah, Republic. Yeah, Kotor. And that's another one that we played on the list. And it feels very much in the same vein, but massively enhanced. In same scope. but different. Yeah, yeah. There's many nods to it, I think. Um, yeah, it's an interesting question. Okay. So, does Perfect Dark 
with a score of 97 at number 11 on the list deserve its place on the list yeah i think so i i, I don't know if we if we discussed it during the golden eye episode but this period of time for rare they were they were on fire yeah they were absolutely killing it like like we said you've got golden eye you've got perfect dark you have banjo kazooie that came out a couple of years before this um banjo tui that was another big one yeah Conquer's bad third yeah conquer Diddy Kong Racing, yeah, Donkey like, Kong 64, which people might not like, um, Jet Force Gemini. The, the, so, the so late many. 90s, early noughties were really, there were there were rares time, I think. Yeah. And it's it's rare to see, rare to see, rare to see a bad rare game. Um, and these days, they're, they're still making things, you know, they, they did uh, Sea of Thieves, which... Sea of Thieves, which is mixed. supposed to be very good now. Oh, is it, is, it, is it improved now from when it first released? Yeah, apparently it's very good now. So, you know, they're, they're still doing bits and bobs. And then, you know, they did release a um, a third Banjo game, Nuts and Bolts, which was apparently dreadful. So It, it was all right. It just wasn't... It wasn't, it um, wasn't Banjo. Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. No. So, I think Rare at the time were on top of the world. And there's probably an argument to be made that more rare games could potentially be on the top 100 list. Um, but obviously they aren't. Yeah. I was thinking that, uh, I, I, I don't have I too much experience with rare games. I've played Banjo. I've played Golden. I've played perfect dark and I've got Diddy Kong racing, but I've never played it. So I love Diddy Kong racing. You, you know, it, it's, it's a funny one with rare, but I, I would say the perfect dark is deserving of its place on the list, and is probably in and around and about the the, the right place. So I, I think the, the right Golden Eye is a game that I would put above Perfect Dark, but overall, that was going to be another question of mine. Uh, what, what would you? How would you? Um, yeah, how would you rank the two of them? I'd probably because switch them. Two sides of the same coin. Yeah, I think I'd switch them, but I'm not sure how much of that is coming from my nostalgia for Goldeneye the amount that I played it when I was a kid. So I don't know how yeah. objective I'm being there. But I think they both deserve their place on the list and they're both very good games in their own right. Goldeneye just about swerves it for me, but that isn't to take anything away from Perfect Dark. I think that's just my own lizard brain being nostalgic and thinking back to when I was a kid, you know? Yeah. Where would you say, what do you reckon? Um, because um, I, I was thinking about this I was thinking about the list and I was thinking about Rare games and, and how good Rare was then and I thought thinking about the list it is a little bit surprising that these are the only two games on there I think Banjo-Kazooie would be the other one that people would put on the list um, but thinking about it these two I think they are the best Rare games in my opinion the ones that probably hold up the best, and you can really see. I mean, we talk. We we. It's impossible not to talk about Goldeneye in this episode, and we talked about with Goldeneye how few people worked on that game, how many of them had never developed before, and how, by every way you measure it, that game should have been a failure. It should have crashed and burned, but it didn't, and. Then they followed it up with Perfect Dark and they arguably took it even further, bettered it. It's just, yeah, I think they lost their mojo at some point. Um, but it's, it's really impressive. As to what's better, um, Perfect Dark or Goldeneye, I think I'm more fond of Goldeneye. But I think that's also due to the fact that it's the Bond franchise. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of Bond. 
but I do think probably pound for pound, if I'm being objective, I think Perfect Dark is probably the better game. Um, but, I mean, they're very close. I think there's not much between them. Uh, but I, I do think they both deserve to be very high. And what can you say? We, we've, ta- we've talked about revolutionary console shooters um, in the list, and we've got a few of them in the list. But they don't really come more revolutionary than Goldeneye and Perfect Dark. It's just, uh, yeah. It, it, good, it's good it's very much a case of what we've discussed before with a few games in franchises, that one game not so much invents the wheel, but really helps the wheel get going, and then the other one just refines yeah. it. And that's what Perfect yeah, Dark yeah. is to Goldeneye. It's, it's, a, it's a refining of something that was already very good. Yeah, and, and this time round, I think this is why they're both here on the list. You could argue in many ways that Perfect Dark not only refined the formula, but excuse the pun, it perfected the formula. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it, I, I had fun playing it and I, I get this thing sometimes when I play a game and I got it with Perfect Dark, I thought I want to play more and I was, I had to stop myself from diving back into Time Splitters straight away. But I wanted more of that style of game. And the travesty is that you can only get that style of game from Goldeneye, Perfect Dark, not Perfect Dark Zero. And um and yeah, Time Splitters and, and a few of the well, the world is not enough on the N sixty four also had that same structure which they copied from Goldeneye, but they did a good job with it. Is it is it rare um, that did World Is Not Enough? No, it was uh, it was EA, but it was um, it was Eurocom who also made uh, some other ah. uh, Bond games that people quite like, such as uh, um, Nightfire yeah. and Everything or Nothing, and From Rush with Love, and yeah, oh, fair enough. So yeah, whereas uh, the the guys that made Tomorrow Never Dies, I think they're called they're called Black Something. Um, I can't I can't quite remember. Great game. I we could have had a, a sequel to Goldeneye and I have played and completed Tomorrow Never Dies on the PS1 and I don't Great think game. it's a very good game as you, as you know Great game. <laughs> one, one thing I did I was going to mention this during the episode and I, and I didn't because um, you mentioned about um, objectives being difficult to find sometimes I saw someone comparing it I think it was on Digital Foundry um, they compared it to Hitman where these levels aren't necessarily made to be completed straight away. Yeah, go They're back. kind of made to be explored and then and I and I moaned actually when I was playing it about the trial and error, but actually I think the trial and error is deliberate. You're supposed to experiment, you're just supposed to try things to it gives you hints as to what to do to complete objectives, but um yeah, you're supposed to play and replay them and get your time down mm. and become more efficient and log where the enemies are. This game is a game that's made to be speed run. And Goldeneye too. Yeah. Um, very, yeah. Okay. So that was Perfect Dark. An enjoyable episode. Um, let's wrap things up. What have we got coming up on the podcast? Sports. Got some sports. <laughs> it's the, the... It's the first proper sports game, isn't it? Yeah. it's uh, We've got a collection of three for you next time. So... We've got quite a few football games, American football games on the list. Um, Madden 03, no, 02, 03 and 04, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, so we've decided to to put them all in one episode together. 
uh, with Dan playing Madden 02, me playing and 03, and then us both yeah, playing 04, so, or is it the way, other way around? Yes. Yes, so I'm playing 02 and 04, you're playing 03 and 04, yeah. so we'll both play 04. Um, we'll, I'm, I'm we'll somewhat of a fan of American football, whereas you're not, are you? Um I mean, I'm not against it. I think it's. Uh, I've watched a few games. Um, I don't know the intricacies of it, mm. but so I quite. It will be a different episode, I think. Uh, with oh yeah, <laughs> with a lot to talk no, no about plot and yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. So we'll try and make it. I mean, as you pointed out, we do have lots of um, American Canadian listeners. We do. So we'll we'll try and make it as a. Uh, interesting as possible for you we shall we'll do our very best uh, but in the meantime if you want to reach out to us on social media you can with a long and short of it podcast you can email us at the long and short of it podcast at gmail.com and as always if you've enjoyed this please consider liking sharing or if you're on spotify or apple Podcasts, just giving us a rating because it does help the algorithm feed our podcast to other people that could be interested which is always nice but yeah that is perfect dark. Is there anything else that you would like to add today? Nope, nothing from me. Very good. Well, we'll see you next time for a Super Bowl fun-filled American football-ified time with Madden 02, 03 and 04. But in the meantime, take care and we'll see you next time. Cheerio. See you on the next one.